0: From the band that brought you such critically acclaimed and listener-lauded records as Respect in You and Respect in Yule comes the brand new album Respect and You, recorded in front of a live studio audience at Greenwich House Music School. Head on over to respectsexted.bandcamp.com to download this and many other respect titles, including the also brand new Respect Trio's album Respect the Trio. We says, the jazz session listeners can use the discount code TJS to get 10% off your total order. I'm Bernie Crane. I'm
1: John Crane. You're listening to The Jazz Session. With Jason Crane, our dad. Listen one basic hip
2: welcome to the jazz session i'm jason crane this is episode 455 for may 25th 2015 on today's show guitarist ross hammond if you get the show via itunes please rate it and review it It helps it shoot up the rankings and helps more people find the show You can also become a member of the Jazz Session. It's very easy to do. Go to thejazzsession.com slash join. Kick in five bunks a month. That sounded like five bonks a month, I think, but it's just five bucks. There's no physical activity required whatsoever. Do that, and it helps keep the show on the air. It helps keep the archives, which are quite extensive and also quite expensive, to keep up there. It helps keep those alive and strong. And for five bucks a month, how can you go wrong, I says. So please, go to thejazzsession.com slash join and become a member. You can find my comedy at firstlaughs.com, my poetry and essays, including a recent essay about why music matters to me at jasoncrane.org. And if you need some freelance work done, hit up cranewrites.com. I've known guitarists ross hammond for several years now and when i say no i i mean that in the new sense the new way that you can know someone for years and never occupy the same physical space they're in you know unless you count the planet earth or whatever we've just known each other uh, through the the magic of social media Uh, i've been aware of ross's work for years Uh, i've done i guess in the interest of full disclosure i've done some press work for him including for the record that we're going to talk about today And uh, he and I have friends in common, he plays with people I know, and it's just one of those strange things that even though he, I mean, he's based in California, so that makes it a little harder to to meet up, but he's been to the East Coast many times to play, and I just have never quite managed to be in the same place that he's in. But recently, and somewhat, well, I would say improbably, except that I booked him, uh, (laughs) somewhat improbably, unless you know that fact, he came and played at the uh, bookstore cafe where I work in State College, Pennsylvania. Uh, conveniently located three hours from nowhere, to quote the poet Dave Bonta. And Ross played a great show uh, as part of his acoustic tour that he's on right now. And I was very happy that he was there. It was great to finally meet him. He's, He's just as cool in person as I had suspected. And it finally gave us the chance, after years of wanting to do it, to get him on tape for the jazz session. So first, some music from his new acoustic album, Flight, and then my conversation with guitarist Ross Hammond. My guest is guitarist Ross Hammond, and uh, I never thought I would say this to anyone, but welcome to State College, Pennsylvania. Thank you, sir. (laughs) It's great to have you here. Uh, You're playing tonight uh, at Webster's, where I work when I'm not doing the jazz session. And uh, it's, to me, very, very exciting to hear you both in person, but also in this context, because it kind of marks a a bit of a departure for you musically with this uh, this acoustic record, Flight. Yes. And uh, maybe you can tell us a little bit about how that came to be.
0: Um, yeah, okay, well, so I I came from a, um, I guess professionally, if you will, I've kind of come from a more of an improvised, very electric kind of place, um, but uh, at home, I've always played acoustic, I generally play acoustic, you know, when I'm practicing or if I'm trying out new songs or whatever, I mean, there's an old, there's an old, um, an old saying that if it, like, you know, if it doesn't work on an acoustic guitar, as a guitarist, it's probably not going to work kind of thing. So that's, um, you know, I usually practiced and composed and would sit on the porch and just strum around the house. Um, And I just, I don't know, I thought it was like, well, you know, I've I've got this music that I think works. And I really was getting into 12 string because I I was into uh, these new kind of maybe new for me players that I started to get into like uh, James Blackshaw was a guy and Robbie Basho who you know I knew of but I really kind of dove into their music a lot in the last couple years um, and and you know uh, solo acoustic music for me um, it's a lot like getting it was like a lot like when I started getting into jazz music as a fan um, is once you find one person or one label it's like you go down the the rabbit hole it's like there's, and you and you don't stop. I mean, then there's like, oh, this label put out, you know, these three records, and those guys played with these guys, and if right. you like him, check out this guy. <laughs> and it's great. I mean, it's like, it's, it's, it's funny, because it's like, you know, jazz always is, it's, it's, has always been like, <clears throat> at least in my lifetime, and most of the past generations, you know, it's kind of been uh, left of center music. It's never the popular thing. Um, and, but the acoustic music is kind of similar. I mean, it's like, it's, it's got, it's a fringe music. Lots of people like it, uh, or, or I'm sorry, you know, people listen to it, but there's not of, um, in, in the sense of, of, there's a lot of players that are like the jazz players in that they just kind of, this is what they do. Sometimes they tour, maybe they don't do it professionally. And you the know, people who
2: know them really know that oh, everybody else has never heard. Lots of
0: diehards. That, yeah. That's, that's what I mean. Like it's, I mean, you know, jazz, jazz folks are kind of like, they're a little bit, um, I feel like it's a little bit, uh, uh. A little bit mellower than like the metal guys. Like metal dudes, they'll kill each other over like if you say you want doom metal over black metal or something like that. You know, jazz folks have opinions, but they're not like that. You know, um, but the acoustic the acoustic community is is very similar. I feel like you know. So I don't know. I um I really really like uh, just the the aesthetic of an acoustic guitar and, and really I mean I play mostly twelve string guitar, um, so you know for me. The, 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 the actual way I'm approaching the songs isn't really that much different than if I'm playing in a quartet or if I'm playing in a trio. I mean, it's usually like there's a theme, there's a thematic thing, and then, you know, the theme is can be open enough to improvise upon or maybe play differently or, you know, to um, just to, to kind of make it maybe a little bit different every time, and then you kind of come back to the theme and then you play out. I mean, that's a general framework of I think most of the stuff I do. So when it's just me I'm up there playing... You know, solo guitar it's like okay well if this doesn't work it's totally my fault you know yeah but if it, it does work it's like oh my god that's that
2: was amazing you know absolutely no, no not really but <laughs> <laughs> when uh, will you I, I kind of tried to err on the side of not assuming so will you describe what a 12 string is for folks and then talk sure. about why you play 12
0: um yeah okay so a 12 string guitar is it's basically everything is doubled um your bass strings on a guitar um your sixth string, fifth string, fourth string, and third string are doubled, but the doubled string is is two octaves higher. So you have a low E, and then you have two octaves up, and you have another E, um, and so on and so forth. And then for um, the uh, for the, um, the the B string and the E string, those are doubled. So it's kind of like it's kind of like you're playing. Um, it feels like you're playing a mandolin or something because okay. you're you're basically playing doubled up strings all the time. Now the approach. For me, I don't really approach a 12-string guitar as I do a six-string guitar because it's just—it's kind of a beast. It's like this giant, a um, lot of metal happening. There's this—it's a—it's—it's it's a, a larger neck and everything. So, you know, trying to get intricate and stuff on a 12-string is—is—it's not really made for that. It's made for, you know, leading the charge to war kind of thing. Like it's a powerful, uh, resonant instrument. So I try to approach it that way.
2: So does it change, like, does it make a difference in whether you play kind of intricate angular lines or, you know, that that kind of thing in your input? yeah,
0: it does. It does. For me, um, I don't really do that so much um, because, well, on a 6-string, you can totally do that. Um, On a 12-string, you know, to me, it sounds worse if the bottom kind of falls out when when I try to do something like that. So I... Like, I can play some lines, but I try not to keep them, like, I don't do, like, the bebop thing on a 12-string. Sure. You know what I mean? Um, it's just a kind of a different instrument. It's I would equate it to something like, people can play piano and they can play organ, but they're two completely different instruments. Sure. You know, so that's, that's you know, organ, I mean, no offense to organists out there, I don't, I don't want to misrepresent your instrument, um, but when I listen to an organ or even, like, a pipe organ, the sound, the presence of the instrument is kind of the thing. And then you can get intricate and you can groove on it or whatever. But um, you know that's how I would equate, equate a twelve string and a six
2: string. Will you talk to me about the repertoire on flight? Yeah, yeah. I um,
0: uh, basically I think there's there's about fifteen songs on there. Um, I did a couple covers. Uh, I did um, I did a version of um, the creator has a master plan, uh, um, Pharaoh Sanders song, and um, kind of as a as a as a Delta maybe kind of a delta blues, you know, with the, with the groove and stuff. Um, did that. I did You Are Are My Sunshine. Um, and then I did some spirituals. I did, uh, In the Garden. Um, Nobody Knows the Troubles I've Seen, uh, On the Rock Where Moses Stood, tunes like that. And then the other ones were basically, um, just solo compositions. Um, and I, I kind of tried to I edited it down. You know, I had more tunes recorded, but I tried to edit it down to where this is kind of a complete statement. You know, I feel like this is basically what I'm into, what I like to do right now. Um, so I think it, you know, in that sense, I think it worked for me. I mean, I'm pretty happy with the, with the collection of songs that are on there. Um, I tried to to do to, to balance out, like, playing six-string guitar, playing 12-string guitar, playing slide guitar. I'm improvising on most of it. I think there might be... There might be one, like, just um, arranged solo guitar piece that doesn't have a lot of room for room for improvisation. But most of the other stuff is pretty open. Like, if I had to play it again, you would hear thematic, some thematic things that might be similar. But, like, I wasn't counting bars or anything. You know, sure. it's like, um, I think the, one of the ways I compose, and this isn't really for any particular instrument. It's just how tunes come to me, is I, I um, kind of do it in a very lyrical way or very um uh i'm not meaning lyrical like as a positive or negative adjective i'm just saying like to me like i I come up with melodies by singing them around the house so like when i did this record called adored um a couple years ago most of those songs were just songs i would sing my kid uh when she was a baby um like lullabies and stuff and then i'd arrange them and try to get like the greatest free jazz band ever to play them you know uh to me um but uh so so but you know composing that way it, I always I always compose like that I usually starts off uh, vocally whether it's a rhythm or whether it's a melody or um, I don't really do a lot of like putting four chords together and being like oh, okay well these are the leading tones of the chords and this would make a cool melody like I ha- I usually have the melody first sure um, and then I try to arrange
2: it that way and you had a pretty <laughs> organic approach to recording this album too didn't you oh
0: yeah totally i mean i basically used um, a stereo recorder. I used a zoom recorder for the entire thing. And, um, to me what I, what I liked about that is I'm, I really enjoy music. That's, um, I don't want to say low fidelity, but I like music that has a little bit of graininess to it, a little bit of grit to it. And the recording to me, it's like, okay, if I kind of like what I said before, if you, if I can't just make this work with putting a microphone in front of my guitar and playing, then I don't want to go in the studio and do take after take after take until I get it right. Like, this has to work this way. Um, so I tried to put that parameter on myself. I wanted everything to to sound basically like, um, you know, uh, I wanted it to sound like they all were basically recorded the same way. I didn't want to have, a, like, a lot of um, all over the board, you know, all over the map kind of thing. Um, but I recorded them, uh, all the songs in different places, pretty much pretty much through California. There are some are outside, some are inside, some are, like... Um, Ones on a ranch, ones that, you know, a couple are at my uh, studio, a couple are on my porch, you know, that kind of thing. So uh, that's what's cool about having a handy
2: recorder. It's like, oh, okay, well, I'll, I'll try to record this this way. So... And um, does being in those different places, did that affect what came out on your guitar? Yeah,
0: I'm sure it did because especially for the improv pieces, you know, it, it, it may be not so much like, oh, well, there's birds hearing. I want to capture these. Or there's I can hear birds. I don't. I want to capture that. It wasn't that so much as it was like, oh, I'm in this kind of cool setting or, hey, let's just see what comes about, especially on the ones where like you start from nothing and, and try to make something happen. There's a, there's a tune on there called um, The Coyotes Aren't As Far As You Think. And that's basically an improv piece that was recorded out in Red Bluff, California. And it was after um, we went camping. And I'm not a big camper. My wife likes to camp, Uh, but you know it's in the middle of the night, and like you can hear all these coyotes and everything. And I get up and I'm like Joe Pesci and uh, and, in what's that movie? Um,
2: You know that I'm talking about my cousin Vinny. You know, it's like he's like what
0: the you know. So uh, so so. Yeah, that tune is based on was recorded there the next day and it was based on that. So um but you know that's where the Zoom recorder comes in. You know, sure. It yeah. felt a little more authentic yeah, absolutely. right then than to go into you know, go into the into the studio or something. So yeah. <laughs>
2: When you're focused like this on playing acoustic music are you does that mean you're taking a break at this time from electric are you still doing both or do you have to kind of put yourself in one space or the other
0: um man i tell you what honestly i i that's a struggle that's really a struggle for me because um i i kind of find that i a lot of times i have to play electric music just because i'm in a couple of other bands um or the gig calls for you know out, out in california it's it's i do a lot of um Kind of working gigs, you know. Uh, I mean, so so I have to play electric at that. Although, you know, artistically right now, I'm I'm not really feeling the electric at all. Um, I, I don't know why that is. It kind of freaks me out a little bit because you know. Um, but I think it's just in a way, it's like what you're hearing, and you know, you have to go back to what you're hearing, and and you know, that doesn't mean that you stay there, but um, you know, you can. I feel like I feel like my um, my focus right now is to try to get better, try to become a better acoustic musician. And I can tell, like, when I pick up an electric guitar and play it now, like, all of the... Like, I'm kind of playing it as an acoustic. I'm not really playing it. My electric chops are have changed. It, it, I use chops in a very loose term because I don't really think I'm a chops kind of dude. Sure. Um, but, you know, it, I, my approach to the instrument is different. It's a lot more of, like ringing notes and um, sustaining notes over top of no, uh, over melody notes and um, you know using open strings and and just like different picking different ways to pick your guitar and stuff things that you would do on an acoustic to try to get the most resonance out of your guitar whereas electric it doesn't really matter because everything is magnetic and everything goes into an amp um, but it's it's a different feel for me it, it um, and that's cool I mean I think and I think probably what I'll find, you know, down the road when I stop like obsessing over this kind of stuff, is that it'll have done me well on both instruments. Sure, you know what I mean. Like it'll it'll, you know, getting a new bag is is never a bad thing. Yeah, you know, even if it doesn't really make sense to you at the moment, why that's happening. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, but right now, yeah, I I, I, uh, I I'm I'm playing mostly acoustic. Like if I get booked for a gig, um, I, I'm immediately I'm thinking, okay, can I do this solo acoustic? If I can't do the solo acoustic then I'll do the electric thing. But, um, you know, that's, I mean, I, I still love electric guitar music to listen to. I mean, you know, uh, but, but, um, my, my, my playlists right now are all, are all the, the, um, kind of american primitivism and you know english folk stuff and that yeah. kind of
2: thing so is this your first tour exclusively on acoustic yeah. guitar and what's that been like
0: it's been great um i mean you know uh, uh some folks know this my dad is with me uh which is a lot of fun um and it's it's always nice to i mean i'm, I'm going i'm out i have a, i have a, a daughter so my, my daughter is is almost five so i i watch her, um, I watch her a lot during the week, so I can't. I'm not able to go out for very long. You know, I have to get back home and and do that. So usually my tours are like four or five days, six days. I'm out today. Uh, this this trip is I um, think I'm out for ten, nine. I'm traveling home on the tenth day, so I'm away for a while. Um, but you know, my dad is with me. He he decided to come with me. He lives in in Lexington, and I'm touring the you know tri-state area into Pennsylvania and stuff. So it's uh, that that part is great. I mean. It's a lot of miles I'm the way I'm going right now, I'm driving through all these places. So I think if I was just doing it solo acoustic it would get it would kinda suck after a while. Sure. Um, but this has been really cool, you know.
2: And what about doing the tour as an acoustic guitarist? I mean essentially sitting down, having just a, a mic on a boom stand and yeah. off you go.
0: That's I, that's the ideal. If I can get that, it's great. Uh, if I have to play through an amp, it's okay, but I would rather you know I would rather just be able to, you know, unpack, tune up and go. And uh, it's, I don't know, there's something very, to me, there's something very liberating about that. You know, I don't have to worry about, oh, well, do you guys have this back line? Do you have this? Or do I have to pick this in my luggage or anything like that? It's like, you know.
2: It also, I mean, it feels like the kind of quintessential traveling guitar thing. Like you could be doing all these shows on a street corner or something, you know, which is really cool.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. It feels like, you know, it's like the old, the old you know, stereotypes of the old traveling musicians. I mean, even way back in the day, you know, where it's like, you put on your hat and you get on the train, you're sitting at the train station and you unpack your acoustic guitar and get a couple tips, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, it's, there's, there's some, you know, guthriness in there for lack of a better word. Um, even though now it's like you got GPS, so maybe it's a little different.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but it does, uh, it definitely does feel like you're plugging into a, a kind of roots music, American tradition. And even, I mean, obviously, that goes back to troubadours and all that kind of thing it's sure. before, the, before America. but sure. But it, it definitely does. It just has that feeling like you're, and especially where you're touring. I mean, this is a place for people who play acoustic instruments. I mean, every every third Wednesday, this place is crowded with banjos and dulcimers awesome. and guitars and fiddles and everything for this old-time music jam. And that's, I mean, that's music that comes right out of... You know not very far from here yeah like, sure sure yeah, yeah
0: yeah yeah. well yeah i mean I, I don't know you could get like really i don't like to really get music too musically philosophical i guess because i don't ultimately i don't have any idea what i'm talking about <laughs> but um <laughs> but you know to me it's really comes down to um you know where like where you're coming from is the most important thing when you play music. It's not about like the notes you're playing, the rhythms you're playing. To me, it's like if you have a sense of honesty, and um, and 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 you have a sense of, of your, your music has a sense of purpose. Um, That is what touches me the most. You know, it could be like listening to the late John Coltrane Quartet, or it could be listening to Pete Seeger, like we were talking about earlier, or, you know, Reverend Gary Davis or any of this stuff. I mean, I feel like the intent of all of that music is basically comes from the same place. It all, you know, it all, what did I say? It all goes back to one source, you know. Um, So so the method, how you do that, whether, um, you know, you're playing loud electric music or you're playing very soft um, or you're... You know, I mean, not everyone has to like it. You know, that's the other thing. But, you know, however, however the music comes out is, is really inconsequential as long as, as long as as an improviser, you just, you're ultimately playing. And this is going to sound really West Coast lame, but ultimately, (laughs) if you're playing what you feel, you know, that's, that's the uh, important thing. And I'm totally not like a new age dude, you know, so I don't mean to sound that way. But, but that's, I mean, I really believe that, you know. Um, No matter the instrument. So, you know, whatever your approach is, I feel like the goal for any musician should be no matter what, especially multi-instrumentalists and and horn players, I think, can can attest to this a lot. But I I feel like the ultimate goal is no matter what instrument you're playing, even if the instruments don't really have anything to do with each other, you need to sound like you um, with whatever whatever it is that you're playing the music you know you're not going to hear melody a different way just because you pick up something that has a different fingering on it i mean the the music that's coming from inside you is going to be the same so to me i I try to keep that in mind no matter what i'm playing with i mean technique could be a little bit different or whatever but getting the getting the music out probably won't matter that much
2: You, you mentioned kind of going back to one source and there are, are hymns on this record. Does that come out of your own background in the yeah, church? Or? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm
0: from Kentucky. Uh, I'm from Lexington, Kentucky, and I was born into a, not a, not a super ultra religious family, but, uh, but like, you know, basically everyone there goes to church. Um, at least they did when in my generation. And I had a very I had a very religious grandmother who um, took me to church and took me to Bible school and uh, took me to youth group and all that. And and this is like, you know, four, five, six, seven, all the way up. I moved to California when I was 10. So my my formative years, uh, I was definitely, you know, there was a lot of church there. I went to a religious school and uh, a lot of this music, I mean, in my school, fair enough, no one was sitting around in the bathroom just weeping. Nobody knows the troubles I've seen, you know, in, in fourth grade. But... You know that um, tradition has always been with me. Has always stayed with me. And I'm, I'm, um, you know, uh, I'm not a, I'm not a hugely like dogmatically religious person. You know, I mean, I can, I, I do, I do go to church. My family and I do go to church, but I'm not a, um, you know, I, I try to try to do it as more of like a. I don't even really know. I, I don't have a lot of developed thoughts on this because I, I kind of think like, how the hell am I supposed to know anyway? Like, I've got, you know. We have a brain the size of of a freaking small melon. We, how are we ever ever gonna know, you know? But um, but for a sense of being centered and for a sense of finding some kind of you know personal stillness and peace and and just balance in this crazy world that we live in, you know, I I get uh I get that peaceful feeling when I'm in church. We go to a Unitarian church in Sacramento now, and it's um, and you know it's I just I feel like in that music, um. I feel really connected to, to, to like a hymn or to a spiritual. And I feel like the music I like, um, the music I really enjoyed listening to, I listen to, I mean, my all time favorites, I mean, like Albert Eiler is one dude. I mean, Reverend Gary Davis is another guy. Um, most of my favorite musicians have done some form of church music or they come from some form of church music, you know? Um, uh, that, that is, uh, so, so I feel like I'm kind of in a similar space, you know, I mean. And, and that's kind of what comes out. I mean, I feel like the way I listen, the way I hear melody, the way melody comes out for me is really folky in a way. It's almost like, um, um, I don't know. I mean, it's like, it's like if I, if I come up with the melody, I can almost hear like where the chords are, how the chords are going to be flowing. Like, okay, well there it went to the five chord. Now it's back to the one then one, four, five, one, you know, whatever. Um, so that to me, that, that, that's coming from, uh, from, from, from a, from a church background. Um, cause that's kind of what that music does. So
2: yeah. You know, I have to say a lot of people on this show have talked about coming up in the church, musically mm-hmm. speaking, but almost all of them have been black. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very uncommon, at least on this show, maybe it's a self-selecting group of people that I've interviewed or something, but yeah. it's very uncommon for... Well, I, I will just say white musicians understanding sure. that there's more than a binary of black and white, but I will say for the white musicians who've been on this show, it's very, very uncommon for any of them to reference any kind of church background. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's just interesting to hear. I mean, I just, I don't I know haven't if there's any white jazz much. musicians coming from Kentucky either, you know, also I mean, a fair point. Yeah.
0: Uh, there now, if I think if you said that about, um, bluegrass musicians or gospel musicians, oh, it's a completely, whole other ballgame. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's yeah, like yeah, everybody, yeah. you know? yeah, right. Um, so, I don't know, I kind of straddle a fine line, I think, between, I'm not really a jazz musician, I don't think, uh, I'm not really a folk musician, I'm not really, I'm just, I just play guitar, you know, that's really, I feel like the most free when I think of it that way, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm, uh, I'm not really um, playing jazz standards at the Holiday Inn, you know, and uh, not a lot of the new music folks are, you know, so maybe we need a new word, you know <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean? Um So anyway, yeah, but, but. The church thing, I would be lying if I said that that, I didn't have a
2: deep – kind of a deep root in that music, you know. And you – out in California, you're Mm – besides playing a lot of music, you're kind of causing a lot of music to happen, right? You kind of have a space where you're you're creating for the musicians. Talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have a collective space out there. uh, I run a collective space called Gold Lion Arts. I should just say that from following you for a long time on social media, I feel like I've been to hundreds of Golden Lion shows, even you though I've never actually been to one, but I've well, seen, I've seen the space and seen the musicians and everything. And I just, I feel like I know it well, even cool. though I've never been there Well, yet. no, hey, we're a small space, so you can get a <laughs> lot, you can tell a
0: big story in a few photos. <laughs> um, in Sacramento, uh, 15 years, it's just like a, from a, you know, from a historical uh, Northern California, capital city perspective, uh fifteen years ago in Sacramento, if you played any kind of improvised music, jazz based music, you were either gonna do a restaurant jazz standards gig, you were gonna try to get booked at one of the kind of douchey bars uh uh you know, once every two months, and you were basically gonna jam at someone's house. That was pretty much your option. Um and your your you know, your 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 lame bar gig was gonna be more of a funk gig. With somebody playing a solo, for way right. too long, that was what the scene was back in the day. So, you know, I I started doing, um, I started throwing shows after college. I started doing a lot of DIY shows, and it was really, um, I was basically a, uh, started becoming a, a professional musician in the sense that like I was teaching a lot. I was making, you know, I was, I was being able to work as a solo guitar player. I wasn't very good. But I was teaching a lot of lessons. I was playing a lot of kind of lame solo gigs. And I was basically paying my bills being a musician. But then I was like, Okay, well, I want to play this music. Um, there's nowhere to play this music. So if there's nowhere to play this music, you have to get out and just make it yourself DIY it. Um, the good thing about Sacramento for those that don't know is we're really, really close to the Bay Area. And we're also right along Interstate 5 which goes to Los Angeles. So now it's we've become, you know, many years later after series and after series after series after series and cafes and you know festivals and stuff that that you know I've put together and had and, and put together as collectives or just solo or whatever. I mean Sacramento is now a a a hub. It's a hub on the West Coast like it's very common for a band to go Seattle to Portland to Oakland or San Francisco to Sacramento to Bakersfield to L.A. to San Diego, and that's kind of that's kind of where people are are. That's kind of the circuit, if, if for lack of a better word. So, um, okay. So that being said, getting back to the art space, um, after I had a child, um, after my wife had the child, I you know I was there and being <laughs> you know they always say be a supportive husband. That's like what all the advice advice uh, books at that time says like what does a dad do just be a supportive husband don't be a jerk you know, Right? just <laughs> shut up and get them what they need um so after after my had a child i didn't have uh, I, I just kind of found that like m- my uh scheduling with her and 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 trying to make a living gigging and teaching and doing shows it got to be a lot so um i, I wanted to get my own place as a place where i could do everything um and and that's that's happened that's what gold lion is uh it's it's a nice collective we've had uh, i've had a lot of friends from the east coast come by and play um uh and and you know i teach there during the day um it's it's really similar to like ibeam or something like yeah. that or um uh, there's a place in dc the union arts um it's it's kind of like that. It's a collect, it's a collective space with a small, small kind of gallery, and then and then we can hold we do shows of like forty forty people or so, um, and and it's great. I mean, it's really nice to have like a mixed use spot that other artists and stuff are involved in. Not all of them are musicians, which is also great because it's like I'm always into the um, what do you call that? Like a I hate the word synergy, but synergies kind of applies I think sure. in the sense of like. This person's into this thing, this person's into their thing, this person's taking awesome photos, this person's working on a film, I'm doing music. Wow, holy crap. We're all doing this like thing and it's this creative space and it's a really nice it's a really nice feel. It's a really nice energy that, that I get there. So anyway, yeah, Gold Lion Arch is a spot. We have T shirts.
2: So. <laughs> <laughs> when I think of people moving from other parts of the country to California to pursue music, Sacramento is not what pops into my mind Totally it, I mean, it wouldn't have at all if I didn't know you Right um, And it sounds like 15 years ago, it was even less of a destination for that And ha- So how did you end up there?
0: Uh, I moved to Sacramento from Lexington when I was a kid I moved there with my mom
2: Oh, no who, kidding, okay Yeah, she
0: she and I moved uh, when I was in fifth grade She, she got remarried and uh, and um, yeah, yeah, I've been there. I went to high school there. I went to college there, met my wife there. So we're, and it's, it's great. I, I actually really like Sacramento. Um, it's, it's a big enough place where you can stay really busy in terms of gigs and stuff. I mean, it's a pretty, it's a pretty big city. I think, I don't know the number, you know, someone will probably correct me on this, but, uh, it's a, it's a big city. There's a lot of opportunity, uh, to, to play and stuff. Um, and a lot of that for me might be coming from a guitar, like, you know, guitar players, it's pretty easy for guitar players to get gigs, you know. Sure. Or whatever. Um uh, but it and and if I ever feel like, okay, well, I need to get out of here or I have to do something out of town or I have to do something that's like I mean there are there are world class uh players that are really close. I mean there's world class players in Sacramento too, but there's like, you know, I, I play with Vinnie Golia a lot and Vinny is right down the freeway, uh, like five hours. But, you know, I mean it's it's uh, you know, Vinny and Alex Klein and, you know, Philip Greenleaf is in the Oakland and, um, you know, just all these, all these, all these players, Myra Melford is there. And, 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 uh, I don't know. California is really kind of, for me, I I love it. I, I just, I love the, um, I don't know. I don't know. I love the, the kind of West coast improv community. That's kind of blossomed from there. And, um, I don't know. I always tell my I try to tell my New York friends, I was like, Hey, you know, it's it's kinda cool out here. You can you should come. Did you,
2: you know? ever have the itch to go in the other direction and, and I try have. New
0: York? Yeah, and... absolutely. I've had New York and I've thought about, you know, when in Chicago back in when I was getting out of college, that was kinda when um I discovered like uh you know, like Chicago Underground and sure, Tortoise yeah. and Vandermark and all those. I was like, Oh man, Chicago's great. Uh but you know, then I'm like, damn, it's cold there. Uh so <laughs> there's that. And then i I think in a way, uh it's really important for musicians anywhere for this music to survive. Um, we have to localize our scenes. You have to make something happen. No, not everyone's going to be able to move to New York. Um, people in New York right now are, or in any, any big city, but, but Los Angeles is like this too. But, you know, when you have too many musicians and too few gigs, it's not going to be great. You know, the people are going to be struggling to pay bills and you're going to be driving a cab and whatever, you know. Um, and, and I think if you localize your scene and travel – and go to, like, you know, be able to try to, to tour around and meet people in different communities, that, for me, is how the music is going to last, you know. Um, because, I don't know, I mean, it's just, it's not in the cards for, for everyone to do, you know. And, and um, Chris Tyner is a is a wonderful, uh, for example, he's a wonderful trumpet player who lives in Bakersfield. And he has made, he's made Bakersfield another spot. I mean, and he, he basically... Works at the college. He can play. He can drive to Los Angeles. He can um, work on his own music, uh, and and then people that are coming through can now play Bakersfield. I mean, we have to have that kind of thing for um, for the music to move forward. Because otherwise, it's like it, it, I think it'll just get it'll just get you know it'll it'll peter out. I don't know. I mean, it to me, it's 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 jazz has never really been and jazz and creative music or whatever have never really been. The popular music, obviously. And there's been a lot of effing terrible popular music. I mean, if you just look at the, the record store and uh, uh, like their used section of like just recently, I was like, this all sucks. Right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, so you know, I'm not trying to base everything about what's possible, but I, I do think what we should start basing upon is what's sustainable. And um, can you make a living or can you work doing, you know, doing this kind of thing? And I think you can. You just other communities need to get involved and it takes young players to start doing, I mean, and people are, people are doing this, you know, there's always a, an underground circuit. There's always a DIY circuit of places where you can get shows for touring artists and to work on your craft as a musician too. So we need that.
2: So I know, you know, flight just came out. It feels brand new where you're touring in support of it now, mm-hmm. but, uh, if I know anything about you, it's that it'll soon be followed by another one of your yes, musical children. Yes, yes, What's yes. coming up?
0: Uh, there's Actually, I have two things coming up. Um, I have a trio. I said all that thing, the downer stuff about the electric music earlier. You <laughs> so know? here comes the announcement so comes... of those
2: five electric records that are coming <laughs> right, out in the next right, six months. <laughs> right, right,
0: right. <laughs> uh, no, stu- uh, myself and Stuart Liebig and my friend John Bafis have a trio. Um, and we're, we have uh, basically like a loud um, – electric set of I think it's actually two shows that we recorded just long form you know 30 minute tunes a piece and we're going to put that out because that's that's a lot of fun so it's kind of the jam and and, um, so that I think is coming out in in the late summer and then the the next big thing I'm going to do is a uh, duo record with my friend Samir Gupta who is a wonderful percussionist um, drummer tabla player Uh, he lives in New York he plays with Mark Carey's trio uh, with a few other Few other folks but he and I have a 12 uh, string guitar and tabla acoustic record coming out um at the end of maybe possibly at the end of the year maybe the beginning of next year but uh but later um later on in the year or you know obviously later than now and uh, uh Samir and I actually went to college together and we played in a band in college together so this is about 18 or 19 years later and it's like oh yeah come on out we'll do a record so uh, so I'm like look- I'm really looking forward to that I really really am into the music for that one and um, those those two instruments really, um, tabla and twelve string. They just kind of like fill each other's gaps. You know, they fit each other's groove, and it's it's you know you play playing with. In that kind of a setting, it's like, oh shit, three hours just went by. Okay, well, right. let's, let's do that again. You know, <laughs> you know. So, uh, so I'm really, really looking forward to that. Those, those are the next things I have on the on the
2: agenda. And maybe I've got my chronology wrong, but Flight isn't even the first album of 2015 that you've put out, right? You put out a duo record uh, earlier this year. Calvin Weston and
0: I did a duo record in December. Oh, December. Okay, okay. Yeah, um, and yeah, yeah, that was really. I need to send Calvin a bunch of uh, some more records because I guess he had a box and they got stolen out of his car. Oh no. Yeah, so I got to. I have to thanks for the reminder sure Tell um, me the name
2: of that record though it's a really great it's called great blues
0: and daily news and that record was a lot of fun calvin did his uh living room dining room sessions dining room sessions and he would you know he put his big ass drum set up and recorded everything and sent me the tracks and just said do whatever you want and so that record is fun because it was it's all overdubs but it you know and we've played together a lot we when i go to philadelphia i usually play with him and uh uh, it just it it felt really natural, felt really fun, and and yeah, that record got some good some uh, some good love. So that was that was a lot of fun.
2: Awesome, yeah. My guest is guitarist Ross Hammond. The most recent record is Flight, and as you just heard, there's a lot more on the way. And uh, I'm, man, I'm super excited to finally hear you live tonight, cool. uh, right here at Webster's. And I thank you so much for being on the Jazz. Session. Thanks, it's been man. Great. Much appreciated. That is music from guitarist Ross Hammond and his new album, Flight. Thanks so much to the Respect Sextet for the theme music to this show. They've got new records out, which you heard about at the top of the show. Please buy those at respectsextet.com. Thanks to Dave Rabel for the show's logo. If you're on Facebook, you can like the Jazz Session at facebook.com slash the Jazz Session. You can find me on Twitter at Jason D. Crane, D as in David. You can hear my comedy at firstlaughs.com. Find my poetry and other musings, including a recent essay about music and why it matters to me, at jasoncrane.org. And you can hire me to write for you at cranewrites.com. Thanks so much for listening. Come back next time for another conversation about jazz on The Jazz Session.
1: Good evening, everybody! Bye! Bye! Bye.